Well, thank you, Brother Rusty, for that rousing chorus this morning, and special music and song. I remember uh, that song as a, a teenager. That was one that we did at church camp and Christ and Youth Conference, except I remember being at CIY one time, and a guy named, by the name of Jeff Moody, who was a worship leader there, changed the words for us. He said, our God is an awesome dude. He reigns from high altitude. With wisdom, he exudes. Our God is an awesome dude. And so if you were a cool teenager, you'd sing it like that. So, hey, hopefully uh, this far into the service, you've enjoyed uh, Throwback Sunday. Now, I know for some of you, this is the weirdest thing you've ever done because you didn't grow up in the church or you don't remember church from that era. Uh, but for a bunch of us, we do. We, we kind of grew up in those times and uh, and so we're just uh, kind of recognizing that, uh, celebrating the past. And the cool thing about it, if you, if you would just, just kind of think about it, is it was on uh, those shoulders and that generations that had gone before us that they accepted Christ and they helped build God's church. And then a lot of what we have today is because of the generations and the Christians that came before us. And so I think it's good to remember that and to recognize that. And we're uh, doing that today and hopefully having a, having a good time doing it. Uh, we're, we're in a series, and this is part three today, of Kingdom Worker. And today we're going to talk about how kingdom workers put their faith into action. The first week we talked about how uh, we are called to have the heart of a kingdom worker. And the first steps toward that is to repent of our sins. And for some of us, that means that we really need to examine ourselves. Do we really love God? And maybe if we think we do, maybe we need to love him even more. And last week, we talked about how we need to prepare for our kingdom work, that we're a people of preparation, a people that are growing in the knowledge of the word of God and into maturity, and that we need to take off our bibs, and we need to put on some aprons, and we need to serve. And we read scripture last week that talked about how we are Christ's ambassadors and witnesses and, and, and representatives of Christ into the world and today we're going to be talking about putting our faith into action. So if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. We're going to begin with verse 14 and read through the end of that chapter. James chapter 2, verses 14 through the end, verse 26. This is what the scripture says. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and, and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace and keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith and, and, and I have deeds. You show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the, the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, 
Was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Pretty stern, pretty straightforward passage from the book of James. I want to bring uh, several points out of this for you this morning. And the first one is this. We need to understand that faith, true saving faith in Christ, transforms our character and behavior. True faith in Christ transforms our character and our behavior. Look at verses 15 through 17 from our passage. It says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace and keep warm and well fed, but there's nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You see, we are called to be a people of action. And if we're going to be true kingdom workers and make a kingdom difference in the world, then we have to be a people that serve. We have to be a people that allows God to mature us. And in that process of transformation, Christ becomes on the increase And our selfishness and ourselves become on the decrease in life. And it grows and changes and transforms our character and our behavior. We move in life from it being about us to it being about others. And it changes our focus and our mindset. It transforms us. Like it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind because then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. As this faith in Christ transforms us, transforms our character, transforms our behavior, we as kingdom workers become a people of sacrifice. That we are actually willing to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. We'll sacrifice our desires, our, 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 our personal preferences. We'll, we'll, we'll sacrifice our time and our talents and our testimony and even some of our finances. We make these sacrifices to glorify and to grow the kingdom of God. You see, as kingdom workers, we sacrifice because serving displays our love for others. Serving displays our love for others. Galatians 5, 13 and 14 says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. As kingdom workers, we sacrifice because we were blessed by our Savior and Lord's service. Jesus was a servant. And he exemplified this in the upper room with the disciples. John chapter 13, verses 12 through 17, he says, And when he had finished washing their feet, this is Jesus, the Son of God, washing the disciples' feet. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place at the table. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Did you hear that? 
Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. We sacrifice because we are blessed by our Lord and Savior's service. As kingdom workers, we sacrifice because serving embraces the needs of others above our own. We sacrifice because serving embraces the needs of others above our own. I mean, it's the whole story of Jesus, the Son of God, coming into this world in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. It's talking about Jesus Christ here. And the writer says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking only to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature, being made in human form and likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming even obedient to death, and even death on a cross. We sacrifice because serving embraces the needs of others above our own. As kingdom workers, we also sacrifice because church is family and we all contribute. Mom doesn't let you not contribute in the house, right? Everybody's got a job to do. Everybody, you know, yours might be taking out the trash, or maybe it's vacuuming, or maybe it's, you know, cleaning the, the bathroom, but you are called as part of your family to serve and to make sacrifices. And as kingdom workers, as part of God's kingdom family, we sacrifice because church is family and we all contribute. Galatians 6, 8 through 10 says it this way, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As kingdom workers, we also sacrifice because God is glorified when we use our gifts to serve others. 1 Peter 4, 8-11 says it this way, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides them, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Faith in Christ transforms our character and behavior. The second thing this morning, good works done in obedience to God are evidence of our faith in God. Good works done in obedience to God are evidence of of our faith. A way to say this in maybe secular form is that, that, that James is telling us in, in the passage this morning to put your money where, what would we say, where your mouth is. But he actually, he would be saying it this way, put your money where your faith is. Put it into action. Look at verses 18 and 19 from our passage in James 2. He says, but someone will say, well, you have faith 
and I have deeds. You show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. There's a point I think we need to draw out of verse 19 this morning. And that is the, the belief that God exists. Some people try to put that on the same level as saving faith. Just by the fact you believe in God. In fact, some churches have coined that. Uh, it's something that we fight, I think, in the church today. It's called easy believism. When it comes to easy believism, it's, some churches would say, well, if you believe, you belong. But that would contradict what James says here in chapter 2, verse 19. Because he says, even the demons believe, but we know they're not going to eternal life with our Savior and Lord in heaven. No, we are called to be a people of faith, to put your faith in God. And don't miss the point of the passage being that it is a person with faith that should have deeds. Yes, the demons believe in God, and they still are in hell. They are not saved as we are saved. There's this thing in Scripture that we don't talk about much in the church, but I want to touch on it this morning because I feel it's appropriate to at this point. Faith-based obedience. Faith-based obedience. That, that it's this idea that if you're really a believer, you're going to do what the Bible tells you to do. And there's tons of Scripture that talk about this. Some of my favorite verses that I use to convict myself and I might share with you from the pulpit occasionally are, are some of those verses. One that hit me hard in my teenage years was uh, Titus 1.22. Titus 1.22 says, They claim to know Christ, but by their actions, they deny him. Ouch. Actually, I think that was Titus 1.16. It's Titus 1.16, sorry. I'm off my manuscript. Sorry about that. James 1.22 says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And so the evidence of a person that has true saving faith in Jesus Christ is that they would have good deeds. They would have good works. They would be about the Lord's business and serving in the ministry somewhere. And when they say that, hey, I'm a part of this body of Christ that meets at 401 North Oakwood Road, they would get involved in the ministry and in service there. And our motivation is the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I mean, that's why we serve. That's why Christians are called to get involved, maybe even to get your hands a little dirty. And what James is saying here is what proof do you have that you're a Christian? Some of you just have words, but he says, I, I have works. What is the fruit of your faith? It is the works and the deeds that are done. Now, we need to clarify this morning and say this, that good works do not earn or purchase your salvation. Because Jesus Christ was the only one that could do that, and he paid the full price for our salvation on the cross. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says it clearly. It is, for, it is by grace you have been saved, and it is through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. God purchased it through Jesus Christ. And it's not by works 
so that no one can boast. But if you go on to the next verse there, Ephesians 2.10, it says, hey, but we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do, that we would walk in them as his children. You have to understand that works are not for salvation, but they show their evidence of salvation in our life. And it's a deep challenge, I think, for some of us that would say, oh yeah, I consider myself in the faith. James would lean in and say, then show me by your deeds. Evidence it by the fruit in your life. And so we have faith in Christ that transforms our character and behavior. We have good works done in obedience to God that is the evidence of our faith. And it really leads us into the third thing. We've been kind of dancing around this the whole sermon this morning. Works are not the root of salvation, but the fruit of salvation. They are not the root of salvation, but the fruit of salvation because of what Jesus did. He, he paid it all. He's the one that deeply roots us, but we are to be the fruit and the offspring of his redemptive work. But the way that a lot of Christians want to do it today is what I call the passive way. We're not going to be active. We are going to be passive. And I wonder for some of you that grow your garden at home or perhaps your lawn at home or perhaps your landscaping at home, I think there's two kinds of people in the world. There's the people that work it, and there's the people that just hope, right? <laughs> I used to be a hoper, okay? But I've learned through the years that it does take a little bit of work to get the weeds out of the flower beds, that if I'm going to have a garden and I want it to produce, that it can't go without certain things. And so there's this, there's this work that goes into it, and it means that I have got to be active, I cannot be passive and just expect it to happen. I've got to go out and do something myself. And you know that if you ever try to grow anything, whether it's a flower garden or a vegetable garden or whatever it is, you know maybe it's a field of wheat. Maybe it's corn, canola. But you know it doesn't, it's not like you just throw the seed out and you just hope. No, there's work that goes into you. You've got to work the soil. And you got to make sure there's good soil. There's some, some testing that goes into the soil. And then you got to turn that soil over and make sure that seed has contact. And then what do you need after that? you got to water it. you got to make sure it has water. I've come into this well-known substance that people just don't use, and, and it's wonderful. It's called fertilizer. If you ever use fertilizer, it is amazing what a little fertilizer will do to a plant. You put it, put it down there around the base of the plant, and you water that in the soil, and those roots take hold, and it produces a great, great fruit. And don't forget, there's the sun, too. We, we have to have sun, and we have to have water, and we have to have fertilizer, we have to have the soil. And, and all this, I know some of you are nodding your head because you're like, yeah, but it's work. Because you work, and some of you are like, yeah, don't drive by my house because I was passive in my landscaping this year. Hallelujah. A wise man once said that a faith, a faith that works will get to work. A faith that works will get to work. But I think so many times we, we seem to settle for these cheap substitutes. I call these faith substitutes. And maybe, maybe you can relate to some of this. The first one is talk, but no walk. 
Yeah, we got people that talk a big faith. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know everything. Not, yeah, Second Peter, I've memorized Second Peter in third grade. Yeah, I know the scripture. Yeah, I was in Sunday school. I had one of those buttons, you know, there for 35 years in a row. I know, you know. And it's like, what are you doing with your faith, though? Where, where's, where's the deeds? Where's the works? Where are you involved? How are you serving? God's given you all this knowledge, evidently. He's giving you all these talents and abilities. And the Bible says that each and every Christian, when they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, they place their faith in him, that they receive at least one, and some, some people, many, spiritual gifts. And you to exercise all those and put those into kingdom work. A faith that works will get to work. But a lot of people talk, but never walk. There are people of inaction. Another faith substitute seems to be intentions. Have you been the intentions person? Well, I intended to go to the men's work day when they had it a few weeks ago, but uh, I, the, the, I, I had a different priority that day with, with, with the golf course. Um, and, and you can fill in the blank there to whatever it is. We're well-intentioned to get involved in discipleship. There's an insert in your bulletin again this week. Talking about how to get involved on Wednesday nights this fall. We talked about it last week that we need some of you to serve in the children's ministry and the youth ministry. Some of you need to put a, an apron on, help us with Wednesday night dinners. Some of you need to be in discipleship. We invite you to come. The reason we're having all of these offerings is we want you to come and to grow. We had a meeting with our leaders this week. We spent time in prayer for you that you would come in on Wednesday nights and you would go deeper with your Savior. But it doesn't happen because you intend. Oh, I intended to be involved on Wednesday nights. I, I, I just, I forgot to show up. Oh, I intended to be a, a part of the, the, I intended to go to the kingdom worker wall. And man, they took it down this week. It's, it's still up there, but for a couple more weeks. But you know how it is. You know, I intended, I intended. And sometimes that's a faith substitute. Intention. There's talk, there's intention. The last one is prayer. You may say, wait a second, are you, are you saying, preacher, that you're against prayer? No, I'm not against prayer. Jesus prayed all the time. Apostle Paul says, pray without ceasing. All of the great ones in Scripture prayed. But I'm talking about people who say they're going to pray as a put-off. Kick it on down the road. I'm going to go into a season of prayer about that, and I'll get back to you. Never, never will I Bring up this conversation, have it with you again until next year when you approach me again because prayer is the put off. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus and the disciples and the apostles, and it's all throughout Scripture, they prayed to the Lord a lot. But I don't know that you remember their prayers so much as maybe the actions that they took as they started the church and used their faith and brought it even into where we're at today. Jesus was a man of action along with being a man of prayer. He was never praying to put off something. He was praying to do something, to be empowered through God's spirit to make a difference in the kingdom. And that's what God calls us to do today. Let's go back in our passage to the very first verse, verse 14. I want us to look at 17 as we conclude in our time this morning. James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? 
In verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Are you living a dead faith this morning? Does the fruit of your life show that? Or is your faith strong and alive? If you think about this, these are very strong words from James. I mean, it's almost like he's questioning their salvation. But let me tell you what he's really doing. If, and if you read this like I've read it and study it, you read it over and over, and you think about it, you dwell about it, you pray about it, you'll probably come to some similar conclusion because this is what I came to. Do you want to know what James is doing? He's calling out the fakes. He's calling out the fakes. He's saying, oh, really? You show me your faith by your talk, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Oh, that the church and that Christians today would be active as those in the first century. And it makes sense. I mean, he goes on there with those examples of Abraham and of Rahab, and he talks about what they did, right? What they did for the kingdom of God. They were considered what? It says in our text, it says they're considered righteous. They were considered obedient for what they accomplished for the kingdom. So they were considered righteous and obedient for what they didn't do, no, no, no. They were considered righteous and obedient for what they did do. And all of you would say, yeah, duh. So? So let me end with a passage of Scripture this morning that I hope will appeal to your heart. I just want you to listen. It's in Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 31. These are in the red letters. The Son of God speaking to us this morning. And it's a forecast. He begins with a forecast and a look into heaven in the future. He says this, When the Son of Man comes in all of his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Can you see him? And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, and he will put the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, well, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come and visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it unto me. And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. And I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. And I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. And I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. And I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will also answer, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry? or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you. And he will reply to them, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do 
before me. And then they will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous, the workers, the kingdom workers, to eternal life. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to be found faithful in this area of service. Lord, you have called us to be kingdom workers and to make a difference in the kingdom. And Lord, maybe so many of us this morning, we feel like, wow, we have been so passive. We have been so so passive and, and not really following your ways, not really doing what you've called us to do. And so, Lord God, I pray this morning, convict us in our hearts to a point where it's not just a nod and, you know, that was a good sermon, that was a great service, good something to think about. And we go right back into old patterns, maybe even tonight and tomorrow. God is still in us. The need, the deep desire we have because of our great love for Jesus Christ to be kingdom workers, to be a people that show our faith to others because of our deeds, because of what we do for the kingdom of God. Lord, I know that there are many here that have been content to just sit. They've been all the taters that we were looking at before. God, I pray, raise us up, grow us, Lord, to be kingdom workers, that we would be found faithful on that day Lord, that you would be able to say and look to us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. God, we know that in Scripture it says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. May we be found faithful kingdom workers. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.